Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We're coming off a of bye week. No frogs to watch, but lots of good games this last weekend. We are going to take a, a pause and look at where the frogs are kind of halfway through the season. The thing that is uh, odd, we had two bye weeks this early in the season, and now the Frogs have seven straight games. So we are going to give grades, both sides of the ball, play calling, offensive, defensive, MVP, that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. So Jeremy and Daniel, we're just going to kind of start right out of the gate here. Let's not waste any time. Jeremy, just seven short weeks ago, we recorded an episode where we both predicted that the Frogs could be in the Big 12 title game. We had expectations that were very, very high. What did we miss? Because the Frogs are sitting at three and two. No one's in a good mood. What did we miss just seven weeks ago? Uh, I think we just we, we kind of listened to what was coming out of fall camp a little bit too much. Um, quarterbacks looking great and that's the quarterbacks have looked what I thought they would look like I mean we true freshman quarterback what do you expect but um more so the defense uh, you know we we heard all the conversations about the defensive defensive line being really good O'Shawn Mathis being perhaps the best defensive end ever to play for Gary Patterson uh the the defensive backfield was more athletic and, and faster than what they've been in recent years and linebacker play is going to be Missing Ty Summers, but Garrett Wallow's back, and they should be okay. And and really, you could put a lot of the things on defense based off what we heard in fall camp, and we had really high expectations. Uh, offensively, I think really the only high expectations we had was um, the quarterback play, which I mentioned second go. But I don't I don't think we could expect so much from Max Duggan, but he is a true freshman quarterback and. He's thrown nine touchdowns with zero interceptions. He's only turned the ball over three times. And last year at this time, Sean Robinson had nine turnovers through five games. So I think we're doing a little bit better there. But Jalen Rager, I thought everyone expected him to have a really good year. And let's be blunt. I mean, he's not having a, a, a big-time year, but let's be blunt again. They're not really trying to get him the ball a whole lot. So it's not really his fault that he's not having huge stats. But just those few things right there stick out at the top of my head that were some of the things I thought we were going to be, you know, TCU's uh, team was going to be pretty good at, and they just haven't met those expectations. Two names you didn't mention, Julius Lewis being injured for most of the season so far, and then Montreal Wilson never really even making it onto the field. Uh, those are two guys we were counting on. Those are two guys that uh, had been in the program for a while, and then you start to plug in guys behind them, and then you start to plug in guys behind the guys that get hurt. And that's how you get a true freshman starting at corner and how you get a true freshman starting at linebacker. So I think, our, at least on my end, expectations were high. I was wrong about the depth. I mean, I, we knew they were young, but one or two injuries that can knock you down means you are not a top 10 team. Also, uh, man, that defensive secondary hasn't been what I wanted it to be. And that's that's where a lot of my expectations were resting on. All of that experience, all of that ability, I did. I haven't seen it come through the way that I want, you know, Jeff Gladney has not had the year that we thought he was going to have. Vernon Scott's out of game, and you don't have any of that um, depth to back him up. And Ennis Gaines has is, is, uh, not lived up to expectations. I know he's coming back from an injury, but I was uh, riding the Ennis Gaines train early this season. Offensive side of the ball for me, I'm not that pleased with the offensive line, to be totally honest. I'd give them a B-, minus, um, but I missed that. I thought this was going to be a really, really good offensive line, and they've just been – pretty good. Obviously, they've had a good moments. Obviously, they've had a good game, but I haven't been pleased with that. 
Daniel, what did we miss when you think about yourself as a fan? What did we miss that we should have seen early in the season? Uh, everything. No, it's not that that all that bad. Um, but it's mostly bad. I'm still um, having a rough time after losing that horrible blowout and uh, trying to get my life back together. Oh, man. Um, you took the loss it's, hard, uh, didn't you? It's been rough. Man. I, uh, well, this is a big part of my life, if not all of my life. So when when you have a down season um, that hasn't even, you know, had a chance to uh, retool and adjust and then come back and make it, you know, overall satisfactory for all intents and purposes, um, you, you take it hard. Um, been on the street for about a week and a half. Oh, no. And um, no, I'm just kidding. What was the question? <laughs> you know, I'm we, we, you, you, you've answered it. Let's just we know your life is destroyed. Off you've those answered two losses. <laughs> it's pretty rough. Uh, I, had high, I had high expectations and I've been let down. Well, we also can do some counseling on the side for you, Daniel, if that, if this, if trends continue as is. So, <laughs> and I, and you know, the gospel, the union gospel mission and the Presbyterian night shelter can help you if you've been on the, been on the streets for a week and a half. I know they do good work there. They, they're really good at helping people transition from the streets. Well, it, to, to it's my out. street. I haven't really gone anywhere. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Let's give out some grades on all sides of the balls as well as some player Jeremy, let's start with you. Quarterback play, and this is inclusive, not just what do I think of Max, what did I think of Michael running it up against uh, Mike running it up against Kansas. How would you grade quarterback play so far this season? I'd give it a, I'd give it a solid C. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think the, uh, I mean, if you look just purely at the turnovers, the turnovers aren't nearly as high as they were this time a year ago. Does Max throw some crazy passes? Absolutely, he does. But there's times where he looks pretty good, and there's time where times where he runs the offense pretty effectively. Um, Alex Delton, I mean, he, I love the kid. He's he's a great kid. Probably did make the quarterback room a little better, and having his senior leadership and him having all that experience probably did help their group a little bit as far as uh, getting prepared for games and and how they watch film. But as far as playing wise, I mean, it and he he hasn't really done anything uh, this year. I. I hope they figure out a way to, to try to include him maybe in a role to, to like as a slot receiver, maybe something to get that speed on the field. But uh, we haven't seen enough of the other quarterbacks. I mean, Mike had those couple drives against Kansas. But overall, I'd say a, a solid C. And, and, and really, I base that off of statistics. Um, you, you look at uh, everything from top to bottom. It's pretty much what I expected Max to do. I didn't think he was going to go out there and, Lot the world on fire like a Jake Fromm did as a true freshman, or even Trevor Lawrence last year as a true freshman. He's he's coming from a state where they don't have this type of competition. He's a great player, and obviously all of us see how strong his arm is. And and I and I keep going back. Yeah, he has fumbled. He has had some pretty crucial turnovers, but he's he's got nine touchdowns to zero interceptions. And and last time out against Iowa State, he really had the best game of his career: seventeen to twenty-five, two sixteen, and. I think he's going to keep get, getting better, but you do have to take into account those 
crucial turnovers he had, uh, fumbling where they returned it for a touchdown and, and just other key turnovers against SMU. But I think overall, solid C. You know, I'm going to give the same grade, although I might knock it down a little bit because quarterback play is obviously connected to quarterback management, management of the room, play calls, setting the quarterback up to succeed. I'm just going to – I'm doing a 180 here. I'm just going to make this a C- minus because I – Alex Delton seeing the field after Arkansas Pine Bluff doesn't make sense to me. And I've been really hesitant to take that route. And just because you said that week one doesn't make you prophetic or a genius – but I don't know that they've handled that. I don't think they've managed that transition all that well. So that's something that I'm, I'm really kind of critical of. And I think it puts the quarterback in a spot that he's not necessarily ready to succeed. So I'm going to, I like what Max is doing. I like where Max is going. I don't, I, I agree with you. we got to get Delton on the field, but put him in there as a slot. Don't put him in there to just, you know, run the ball at quarterback. So I'll be interested to see how the rest of the season unfolds. I, th- I see potential for Max to have a B the rest of the year, but They've got to set him up to succeed. They got to get him hot early, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure. But they got to run fast. They got to get that ball going. They got to build some tempo because without that, they're 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 really just essentially putting Max behind the chains every time, figuratively and literally. Daniel, what's going to be your assessment of quarterback play so far? Give us a give us a letter grade for the quarterback play. Yeah, um, as I was listening to you talk, I was totally thinking C minus. Um, there's been flashes of of, of good play. Um, by both, by Delton and um, and Duggan. Obviously, I think Duggan um, should have been the choice, um, but it, it's it's easy to say now that he's proven himself to be a pretty pretty good true freshman. But that you know it's hard to do early in the season, and not many people play a true freshman um, because of that because of that kind of reason. So it's been good, it's been bad, but. At least the turnovers haven't been that bad. You know, last year they were – it was almost like we were trying to turn it over. It was insane. And, and and so Max has had some kind of wild throws, but he really hasn't put it, it – you never you never see him go out there and think, oh, crap, you know, this is about to get flipped on our, on its head. It's, it's, it's coming along. Um, but so far between the two, eh, a little bit of a C minus just because of some hiccups and how important it is. I'm, I'm pretty much with you there on, on all of that. All right, let's flip on to the other side of the ball, Jeremy. Defense, uh, this has kind of been I'm, – I'm harder on the defense this season than the offense. It's easy to explain a true freshman struggling at times, being hot and cold. I don't feel good about our defense so far this year. What, what's your take and what's your grade on the mid, um, mid-season grade for the defense? I would say right now it is a D. Um, starting up front, defensive line is just – they've played well beyond expectations. I, th- I think when everyone saw Ross Blacklock get back, uh, uh, we all thought that the defensive line was going to be so much more improved and, and Corey Bethley was coming back. He was a preseason all big 12 guy. So really you had two defensive tackles that were all big 12 type defensive tackles that we really haven't heard a whole lot about this year. We haven't heard their name called really at all, except for the first couple games, but it, the, the defensive ends, Oshan and, and uh, Shamik, I mean, they have one sack collectively th- among them through five games and that one sack that O'Shawn got was basically when Brock Purdy slid down and just kind of stumbled over his own feet and 
Oshan just happened to be there to touch him while he was already on the ground. So Oshan got Oshan got credited with the sack on that play. But linebackers, I think Garrett Wallows have a, uh, having a tremendous year. He does have his flaws. He does have some areas where he needs to get better covering the flats or covering the wheel routes. And I think part of that has to do with game planning and Coach Patterson getting them in the right p- position. But uh, D. Winters showed flashes early on. Uh, LeKendrick showed flashes early on. But uh, th- they really haven't played – up to a B level or a B plus level. They they haven't really, but I'd say out of the whole defense, Garrett Wallow probably has the highest grade with, with a B. Um, the secondary, like you said earlier, Jeff, Jeff Gladney's had his ups and downs. He had a pretty uh, decent game against Purdue and then against SMU. He probably had one of the worst games of his career. I, I, I don't think any of us, have seen Jeff Gladney get that get beat deep that many times by one particular receiver. Maybe Colin Johnson with Texas last year, but that was one of those games where you just did not expect to see Jeff Gladney get an attack like that and uh, those guys coming down with those big plays. But secondary, even Gary said it last week, they they have to play better. They, they did not play well against Iowa State. Vernon Scott got caught in space a lot of times. Ennis Gaines was missing tackles. Uh, Merrig was – missing some plays, missing, had just having bad reads and missed a tackle that ended up being a 32 yard gain that led to a score two plays later. So it, it, you've got to look at it collectively. And like I said earlier, one of those uh, groups that we had all, all of us media fans, we all had pretty high expectations for them. And right now they're, they're playing at a D level. I just, yeah, they had a great game against Purdue. They had a, a great game against Kansas, but, when you're playing against teams that have mobile quarterbacks like SMU and Iowa State, and you, you're giving up 41 points and 49 points, we'll, we'll, t- we'll call it 42 against Iowa State since they had a defensive touchdown, but you're basically giving up 40 points a game. And, and no matter whatever way you look at it, that that's a D, and quite possibly, quite honestly, it could be an F in some regards. You know, some genius at the beginning of the season said this could be one of the best defenses, if not the best defense for Gary Patterson ever. And uh, his his initials are Jeff Mitchell. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a D because when we're grading this against expectations, especially, I mean, just with the eye test and the stat test, I mean, this is a bad defense. And then you grade it against what our expectations were. And we might have been wrong. We could have just... we could have just been wrong. We could have been homers. We could have been here, you know, passing along what we heard. But the fact of the matter is, this defense has not looked good, and it and it begins up front. That defensive line has not done anything that we know they are capable of. And we probably, I I'll just speak for myself. I had inflated expectations of of plug and play at defensive end. And when you lose two defensive ends that are in the NFL, you don't you do not replace them. You do not replace them with a grad transfer. And you do not replace them with a true with a redshirt freshman. So that's on me. I'm going to give them a D, and I'm going to give myself a D for giving them an A back in August. That's that's on me. So, you know, they they they're giving up the deep ball too much. The the guys that need to produce have have kind of gone silent or or been posterized. So Jeff Gladney, Ross Blacklock, yes, he needs to he needs to perform better. And then having Julius Lewis out has just been too tough to to handle. You got a true freshman out there against Purdue. He held his own, but nobody nobody says, "Hey, let's start a true freshman for a for a big road game." So, that's my assessment. Daniel, what do you have on the defensive side of the ball in terms of grading out the program so far? A big D for disappointment because 
I mean, I really don't have anything to add to what you what you two said. I don't I don't have anything really specific, other than just standing there watching this, watching the games, usually at home games when I would stand and I'm, I'm looking, and I'm I'm just like, what's happening? You know, they're just they're getting um, I don't know if carved up is the right word, but you know they they would make a play here and there, and it you know. It, it would it would be like okay that's what you should be doing but then other things it just was completely wheels off and i'm not a defensive expert by any means um i'm not an expert in anything to be honest um but i i just i was, I was practically just in awe like just just wonderment what in the heck is going on cuz this is you know this is gary patterson and yeah there's hype and all that but still it shouldn't be that bad uh, ever, um, unless unless you have just the, everyone's. I, I mean, everyone is out from injury, and they're not. So, and in fact, we got you know like having Blacklock back, and it hasn't been what it should be, and it's so it's it's disappointing and and frustrating, and um, uh, it's just a big letdown because that's always been the strength for the most part. Yeah, that's one big letdown. That's 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 kind of how I would say it as well. All right, real quick, let's just hear from both of you. Jeremy, you first, then you, Daniel. Go straight from one to the next. Give me your grade on the offensive coordinator so far this year. I mean, Sonny has gotten a lot of flack. Um, some of us have defended him. Others have not. I think, uh, I think some criticism is deserved. I also think there's some things that have maybe been out of his hands. What's your grade so far for Sonny Cumbie running the offense this year, Jeremy? Uh, that's a tough one because that, you know, like you said, there's, there's been some instances where he's looked good, look bad, kind of gets, he, he's under such a microscope, no matter what I say here, it, it's either going to be agreed or disagreed upon, but I would say it's anywhere between a C minus and a C. Um, and, and I'll give my reason for that. I think you, when you look at the fact that he's playing with the true freshman quarterback, you're you're going to have some struggles. You're going to have whether it's his decision to pull Max or or not pull him. Yeah, that's that's on Sonny and putting in Delton. That's on Sonny. I mean, we could we could all question that. I do like the fact that he's kind of made Max his guy. Max is obviously playing the majority of the drives now. He he didn't look good the other day, and Gary Patterson said it himself. He wanted Alex in there, so you can't blame. Can't put that on Sonny. Gary Patterson himself came out and said, I wanted Alex in there to see if we could do anything else. And then when Max came back, Max did did pretty good against Iowa State. But I'll look at it this way. Um, I, I still think it's yet to be seen. We, we've got five games through, and I was doing some numbers um, here earlier through just Big 12 scoring average. In two games, they've averaged 34.5 points per offense. And I'm taking away the the touchdown Jalen Rager scored against Kansas because that wasn't an offensive touchdown. If I included that, like I did all these other scores, because I don't know how all these other teams put points on the board. They could have had defensive touchdowns as well. and But I didn't go through and do all the research to, to see how they scored. But 34.5 points in, in the Big 12 right now just in, against Big 12 opponents would be good enough for third best in the, in the conference. I'm – you know, believe it or not, I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe it. If if I counted that touchdown and just did the total average points per game, they would be second with 37.5. But it, it's one of those games where 
uh, it, we're, we're going to continue to argue and debate over the, the whole course of the season. How much points do they have to score for Sonny to be successful? If you look at Iowa State and Baylor, who won that game? Baylor won that game. They won 23 to 21. So obviously 23 points was good enough to score or it's good enough to win at home, right? So that's that's good enough to win, but it's only 23 points. Do we look at that being a, a bad game by the offense or a good game by the offense because they won? Um, and then you look at, you know, other, other games like, you know, Oklahoma and Kansas. Oklahoma only scored 45 against Kansas. When did they take their foot off the break? I don't know, but they struggled early on. TCU basically scored 45 points, offensive points against Kansas. So it, it, it kind of, it, it's tough to answer that question so far. That's why I kind of give him a grade in the middle, uh, you know, C minus C, um, certainly not a B yet. Um, and definitely not an A, but I think with what he's working with and, and obviously some of those players not playing up to expectations, it's, it's kind of a fair grade in my opinion. Daniel, what's your grade so far for the offensive coordinator for Sonny this year? I think I've seen, like Jeremy said, times where he's he's looked really good, times where he hasn't looked good. In fact, he's kind of looked silly. But he has made adjustments that I haven't seen him make in the past. Um, and I don't know the circumstances around it, but everyone likes to complain about the fade route and how we throw it to someone who's like five foot six. Well, that's changed. We're throwing it to uh, Heights, I guess. Um, I'm just drawing and a Rager. blank. Someone <laughs> and Rager, Rager. yeah. And Taller the tight people. End. And the tight And it's worked. Yeah, it's worked. Um, so, you know, just little things like that, that it's just like finally, you know. So I, I, I've, I was thinking C all along. So it's somewhere around there, but. You know, if I had to think of specific things, I may go up or down. Um, but it's uh, – I do like that he's kind of stuck with Max. I think that's the way to go. Um, and I don't know – you know, and there's not a whole lot you can do um, when your offensive line isn't quite that good. So I, I'd say he's doing okay. So C is okay if – there had been, let's say we, oh, I don't know. If it could, just a couple of things otherwise had gone right, I may even upgrade that to like a B minus, but I don't think it's nearly as bad as people want it to be. Um, a lot of the offensive struggle has been when it was Delton and that was on Gary. So, um, but at least I'm not on the fire combi bandwagon. I'll say that. One of the things I want to ask you about, Jeremy, you wrote an article about this. What is it about Max and Tempo and, and Hurry Up that works so well, and why did the Frogs not do it more? Well, I think it works well for, for two reasons, and, and I've admitted this, and I don't know why people just completely miss the fact that I'm admitting this, and, and they just completely bypass some of the people that think I'm crazy, but the defenses do play different. They – I don't think they were playing a prevent, but they do play different. They may not rush as many uh, guys in a, in a true blitz, but, and, and that's, that's something that we can all see. 
And sometimes, obviously, if you don't get that pressure, you're going to play a little bit more comfortable. But the one thing about it is, is that even when Max doesn't get, didn't get pressured early on, he would still throw a ball and sometimes go 10 feet over their head. And we're not talking about receivers that are just blanketed with coverage. Some of these guys are wide open and he was just missing them. To me, he just looks more comfortable playing in a faster offense where he's making those decisions quickly. He's been doing that. He played as a freshman at his high school, Lewis Central. He started as a freshman. So it's not the fact that he's a young kid playing against older, more mature players. He's He's been doing that basically his whole life. I, but the thing about it is he's also been running that up-tempo offense his whole life. I sat there and watched him do it last year with my own eyes in person. And the guy just looks more comfortable running that type of offense. His, his passes obviously look a ton more accurate. Um, and, and even – and, I, and, and again, I get the whole defensive thing. I do. But even when TCU made that score 35-17 at Iowa State, Iowa State came back and they weren't playing that prevent top defense or no pressure defense. And Max basically threw it right down the field, four plays, and they scored. And he, they did the up-tempo. And he looked comfortable doing it. So you, you and, and SMU was the same way. They're down a touchdown. You can't sit there and tell me, well, they're playing. They're playing a prevent defense because they're winning by a whole lot. When it was thirty-eight to twenty-four, they weren't doing that same defense that they were doing earlier in the game. They or uh, in the second half, they they reverted back to what they did in the, in the beginning of the game, and Max still was able to lead them to a quick score because they're playing that up-tempo offense. If you play the up-tempo offense, you can't get defensive subs. You keep the defense on their heels. And he's one of those kids where if nothing's there, he started to run. And we started to see that against SMU. And we saw it definitely against Iowa State. But to answer your question, Jeff, on why they don't do it, I think it's, um, you know, one of two things. It could be the fact that if it doesn't work, then your offense is only out there for basically a minute and a half to two minutes and you don't get any points on the board. And then your defense has to come out there and they have to hold them. And if the opponent scores, then – here you are, seven down seven nothing. You go out there and do an up tempo again. Have to punt again. Your defense is still tired. Gives up another score, fourteen nothing. But that's that's the thing I've been trying to argue this whole time is they they don't run up tempo offense in the first half. They still get off the field fast, and the defense gives up a touchdown fast. If you look at SMU and Iowa State, they were down fourteen nothing, fourteen three before we could even blink our eyes watching the game. So. It, it's one of those deals where I don't see the problem with at least trying it. It there there should be it's it's a it's if if you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose. We we've already seen we've already seen what it looks like when they go out there and try to go slow. I think the fact that they came out the second half against SMU and went as slow as they did, where Max was just basically standing on the field looking at the sidelines and not snapping the ball until five seconds remained on the the play clock. I think that hurt them in that game and, and actually was a big reason why they lost that game because they wanted to play at a snail's pace because Gary knew his defense couldn't stop SMU. And I, and, and that's, that's the big thing is like how, how much is, how much is the pride factor weighing in on all this with your defense? Because right now the defense isn't good. And if, if, if they can't get teams off the field with TCU running the regular offense, it's going to be even worse if they go up tempo and don't have success. So I could see where Gary doesn't want to do that, but 
like I said, you're, you're trying to get an identity on offense and I, I don't see what, what harm it will cause because you've already proven running the slow offense in the first half, your defense is still going to give up touchdowns. You, you gave up 42 points on 61 plays against Iowa state. It doesn't matter how fast your offense goes. When you give up that many points on that minimal amount of plays, your defense sucks. That's all there is to it. I appreciate your bluntness. Oh, do I appreciate your bluntness? Because I think that's true. I think they've got to stick, pick up the pace. I think they've got to move of the ball a little bit. And they've got to be able to, to go with what works. I think there's a stubbornness that has set in. Uh, I, I'm going to agree with you. I think there's a pridefulness on the defensive side of the ball. And I think we all know where that resides that keeps them from going that way. Um, I know that the Frogs did more than simply go as fast as they can in 2014 and 2015, but they went really fast in 2014 and 2015, and we saw the fruit of that. And it's not just what it does in one play or one series, but it was what it does to a defense for the entire game. And you either trust that or you don't. And I don't feel like they trust it, but I think that's where they're getting the most results. So that's my frustration on that side of it. They did the same thing last year against Ohio State, and they got points on the board. They did the exact same thing the next week against Texas and got points on the board. Them running an up-tempo offense will work. And if they're scared to do it with a true freshman quarterback, just look at the numbers I've thrown out <laughs> in, in recent weeks. I mean, the, the kid was 12-14 of 14 against Iowa State in the second half. And, yeah, some of those were great catches by Jalen Rager. But, I mean, the kid, you got to give the kid a shot. And, I, and I'll, tell, I'll give you two numbers of why – I don't think TCU runs up tempo. 61 and 58. That game was five years ago. Everybody needs to let it go. We <laughs> sound like Baylor fans, but we won't let go of it in our own way. They're in our head. Let it go. Let it go. Ugh. All right, before we transition here, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Team Life. This is a great organization in DFW that supports junior high, high school kids, helps them make good choices, get some tutoring, gets adults around them that will help them make responsible decisions for their life so they can take control of their future. TeenLife.ngo is a website you can go to, find ways to volunteer in your local schools, and then all them big money boosters that we have listening to this show, you can make a tax-deductible nonprofit donation at TeenLife.ngo to support this great organization. Go support them if you haven't yet. We've been talking about it for almost a year. Great organization, great uh, frog fans right there at Teen Life. All right, let's go ahead and look. We're going to ask this question here. We're going to move quicker here. We're going to ask this question here with you, Jeremy. We'll start. Seven games left. The Frogs are sitting at three and two. Without having to pick what those games are, game by game, what is your prediction for the final record? Three and two, seven games left. Where do you see the Frogs finishing? Well, I think they'll get wins against West Virginia. I think they could beat um, Kansas State this week. Texas Tech's going to be tough, but I think they can beat them. Uh, Oklahoma State's finally came back down to earth a little bit. Uh, I would say best case scenario, eight and four. Worst case, six and six. Best case, eight and four. Worst case, six and six. J Daniel, where do you have a set? We're three and two. We have seven games left. Where do the Frogs finish? I'm not positive. I just know that at this point, all that matters is beating Baylor. The end. 
So four and eight with a win against Baylor is a successful season. I think so because they're picking up momentum and I don't like it. So if you can just get scoreboard on them for another year, you got time to, to fix things and, and then you could reassess next year, beat them again. And that's really, it's not a healthy thing. I understand, but yeah, no. So uh, let's say six and six, uh, obviously with the win over Baylor and then a, Mm. Yeah, I think that's about it. Baylor is undefeated. I'm not sure you can stomach that, Daniel. But here's the thing. Did you see that the Big 12 office today released a pre- had a press release that says their refs blew that call at the end of the game that uh, it should have been a fumble recovery by Tech that would have basically won the game? Can, I, I, oh, I can't believe that. I know that they had a public, essentially a public apology for their blown call in overtime between tech and Baylor. So I didn't get to watch Tech's looking game. good. I mean, they, Baylor stole that game against tech. They stole that game against Iowa state. I know Iowa state beat us. I get that, man. They're, they're going to become more insufferable than they are. And they kind of come out of the womb insufferable down there. So Iowa state went over to West Virginia and just laid it to them too. 38, 14. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. All right, so the Frogs go to Manhattan this week. They play at 1.30 on uh, Fox Sports Directional, Fox Sports Southwest, something along those lines. You'll be able to find them. Uh, Frogs are, I've seen, anywhere between a two- and a three-and-a-half-point favorite. On the road, they're at Bill Snyder Family Memorial Stadium. I'm not going to lie. I watched K-State against Mississippi State. I saw them get that win against Mississippi State. That was a good win on the road in Starkville. And uh, I don't know much else about K-State other than they uh, they got beat by Oklahoma State. I don't know what to make of this game, but this is just kind of the, the best assessment I have. If they can't win this game, the season's kind of done. I mean, like, there's bowl chances are slipping away. I know we probably said this this time last year when they were able to sneak into the Cheez-Its Bowl. But this is a game that on which the season is going to turn. We've this This is the current description of recalibrating expectations because we said it was Iowa State. Well, we did recalibrate expectations after that. This season did turn in a way we didn't like. But the the Kansas State Wildcats have lost two in a row. They lost to Oklahoma State by they lost to Oklahoma State by 13. They lose to Baylor. Then they're hosting the Frogs this week. We're both coming off a of bye week. Jeremy, what do you see on this trip to Manhattan for the Frogs? Well, Kansas State's got the worst uh, offense in the Big 12 since Big 12 play started. They're only averaging 12.5 in those losses. So you got to think, can TCU's defense at least hold them to less than 20? But Kansas State's defense is a little bit better than most people anticipate it to be. They they only gave up 26 to Oklahoma State, which was in Stillwater, and they only gave up – they gave up 31 to Baylor, which was in Manhattan. So you got to think somewhere uh, – if, if TCU can score anywhere between – 24 to 28 points they should win this game and by the way the offense has played for Kansas State they should win that game by two touchdowns if you go up there and you have a game where it's 28 to you're, you're basically offense the Kansas State defense has given up 20 basically 28 points in two big 12 losses they're losing their games by an average score of 28 to 12 so if TCU can go up there and at least score 28 that should be enough to win the game if they lose the game 28 to 31 I'm going to tell you guys right now, it's not on Cumbie. It's not on the offense. So just 
get it out of your system now because you're talking about an offense for Kansas State that is averaging 12.5 points per game. And if you come on the board saying it's TCU's offense that cost them game 31-28, I'm going to delete every single one of your comments. I probably won't, but I'll, I would want to. I'll flag them and downvote them. Okay. Yeah, downvote them for me, Jeff. No, I'm just – in all seriousness, man, They 28 points should be enough to win that game. Um, Kansas State has had a, a lot of trouble since since Mississippi State. They, you're right; they look good against Mississippi State, but since Big Twelve play started, they they really have been struggling on offense and and really on defense. Isn't so, that a, isn't that a great reminder that you can win an off game in the SEC, but week in and week out in the Big Twelve, SEC teams can't handle it? Is that what I hear you saying? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly. Thank you. But they're they're going to run hard at them. They're they're not a they're not a throwing team. Um, they're they're smash mouth football. This is the kind of defense Gary Patterson likes to play. Teams against uh, that that run these pro style offenses that that run a whole lot. Um, I I I would think that they're probably going to try to get Alex Delton in the game somehow, just because he's going against his old team. I'm sure, just for weird purposes. I don't I don't even want to explain it, but just getting him in the game at some point would be uh, pretty cool for. Excuse me. Pretty cool for Alex to to get in there and face his old team a little bit. Is he going to start? Absolutely not. I mean that that was the only way he would start is if Max is injured, which he's not injured. Um, but again, this game, if TCU scores twenty eight, it should be pretty comfortable win for them. Yeah, if the frogs, yeah, if the frogs are giving up twenty more than twenty four points in this game, that is. That is going to be a burden because they haven't done anything against Big 12 defenses this year. This will give the chance for the Frogs to kind of regroup on defense and for Sonny to be able to move the ball. The thing about playing K-State is you know you're going to have better athletes than they do on both sides of the ball. It's can you use those better athletes to to, uh, create space at wide receiver, to dominate in the trenches, to be able to have your playmakers make plays. And I'll be curious to see how they come out. I hope they come out fast on offense. I really hope they come out fast on offense. So that's my hope. Let's go ahead and get some. I don't think they. You will. don't think they win? I don't. I don't, Ugh, don't no, tell me that. I'm going to get another come beer. Out fast on offense. Just this is going to be one of those games where it's going to be a chess match, and it. I'm just telling you, man. I I don't. I hope TCU wins just for the simple fact that because. I don't want to see the TCU fans jumping off cliffs. And I don't want to hear about how the offense struggled just because I know that's what it's going to turn into. If this game ends up being 28-24 Kansas State, it's going to be all on the offense. And it's it yeah, some of it's going to be on the offense, but some I mean you're you're giving up two more touchdowns than what Kansas State averages. So Gary Patterson and his defensive guys should be licking their chops right now, knowing that Kansas State struggles mightily on offense right now. Um, and it's not like they're playing against great defenses. Oklahoma State gave up 45 points to Texas Tech. And Baylor, they're they're more of a they're they're a better defensive team, but they gave up 30 points to Texas Tech. So it's it's not like those two teams are dominant defenses that no one scores against. Um but it's going to be a close game. It, I could see this game being defenses. Defense, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if def, the defense holds them to, to 12, 13 points, I'll be amazed. Okay? 
No offense, but I'll be amazed. Just what we've seen two out of the three last weeks, I'll be amazed. If the offense scores 30 points, I won't be shocked. I won't be shocked. But if this game ends up being a 28-24 game, it's probably what I'll already be writing on Tuesday. I'll have my story written out. TCU wins 28-24. I mean, that's what kind of game I expect. One of those, or even like a 24-20 type game. 24-20 is my final prediction. TCU wins 24-20 because I know the defense is going to give up a touchdown more than what Kent State averages. And I know the offense is going to score one less touchdown than what Kansas State's defense allows. So that way we can have all the discussion back and forth about how the defense is better or the offense sucks still or whatever. It's going to be great discussion. I love it. There'll be a lot of people on the board discussing the game. (laughs) All right. Well, you've already transitioned to what I was going to do next. Let's get our prediction. I got you down 24-20 TCU over Kansas State. Daniel, what's your prediction for the Frogs this week in the Little Apple? I'm going to say 20 – what was Jeremy's? Jeremy was 24-20. Oh, dang. Okay. Well, I didn't want to copy – but I was thinking 24-21, Kansas State. You just picked against the Frogs for, the sec- for what, two of the last three weeks? That's pretty clear, man. Uh, <clears throat> it helps me uh, cope when it comes true. Because <laughs> you're right. Yeah, it helps to be right. I, I do like to be right. You're like the fantasy football guy that, as long as the Cowboys lose, but your guy did great, you're 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 okay with it. Yeah, yeah, it's a consolation. Yeah. Speaking of the Cowboys, man, I think Lincoln Riley would be a great replacement for Jason Garrett. That's I just I, come on down, come on down, come take the Cowboys to a whole nother level. All right, I'm going to go 31-17 Frogs. I think the offense moves a little bit. I think we're able to uh, hit a couple of home runs with uh, Rager, but I'm going to go 31-17 Frogs on the road in Manhattan. So that's my final prediction. All right, we just got a few minutes left here. Uh, we're going to do 45-minute show this week. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple games. Tell me if you saw anything in this that was worth talking about. Tech, Oklahoma over Texas. Aggie or Bama beats uh, Texas A&M. Baylor Tech we referenced. Uh, and Georgia lays an egg against South Carolina. Anything on those games that you guys saw that were worth talking about or laughing at? I thought, uh, thought Jalen Hurts looks human early on against Texas. I mean, he was a turnover machine early on. I think he was doing trying to do too much too early to try to put the game on his shoulders. But I'll admit, Oklahoma's defense has improved. That first half against Texas, they just completely whooped them. And Kenneth Murray, kid might be the best defensive player in the country. I mean, the fact that someone on TCU staff did not want to offer that kid still just boggles my mind. Because I know for a fact the guy that recruited him wanted to offer him so bad, and they just couldn't couldn't get couldn't get it signed off on. But oh my goodness, they might have offered him late in the process, but it was early in the process before all these other big schools started coming after him. That TCU saw him, and he's just he's unbelievable. He's he's a great player. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, Oklahoma looked good, but human. Jalen Hurts looked human. I did laugh so much at Georgia losing to South Carolina because Will Muschamp is a terrible coach. 
But, um, yeah, Kirby Smart found a way to lose a game like he always does. So I kind of got a kick out of that. Man, I really got a kick out of that. That was fun to watch. Aggies. Your, your boys up in Memphis lost. Memphis lost. Man. That was disheartening. Yeah, it was because, they man, they were all heartbroken at church today. I just I, – they were – they were in shock, man. Man, you think you got bandwagon fans for TCU. They jumped off the bandwagon here so fast. They hate the quarterback. But, yeah, Memphis lost. So much for my uh, grand dream of Memphis making the Cotton Bowl for the New Year's Six. So I'm pulling for SMU on that front right now. Um, all right, let's get some predictions here. We're not going to go against um, We're not gonna go against the spread. We're just going to do a couple straight up here. We already got the K-State uh, pick in for TCU, K-State. Jeremy, let's start with you. Baylor versus Oklahoma State. Who do you have in that game? Where's it at? Stillwater or Waco? Stillwater. Give me the give me the Cowboys. Going with the Cowboys, Jeremy or Daniel. Who do you have? The question should be, which is a crappier town? Uh, oh, I'm anyway. going with Waco. Stillwater's got a pretty good country music scene. The Red Dirt music. I've Stillwater. never been there. It's a college town. Um, Waco is a, a really good town. It is a shiplap town, and it is a great place to take a leak on your way to Austin. I'm going to go, yeah, I think Oklahoma State. Baylor, uh, they're, considering their circumstances, I'd say they're doing pretty well, but overall, no, they're really not. So, yeah, give me uh, give me Cowboys. Big game in the AAC, Temple and SMU in Dallas. They were fighting pretty hard to actually get game day, which they obviously didn't get. But uh, Temple versus SMU. Jeremy, who do you have? There's something about that Temple defense that intrigues me. So give me the Owls. Ooh, the SMU streak comes to an end. Daniel, who do you have? My Little Pony. Yeah, I'll be pulling for My Little Pony as well. I think that they're going to win. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on uh, SMU being able to win that game. All right, here's a game that uh, is going to be interesting. Uh, Iowa State in Tech. That game is um, in Lubbock, Iowa State versus Tech. Uh, whoever wins this has got a chance to keep fighting up the ladder. Whoever loses it is really going to be done in terms of uh, fighting for the top third of the Big 12. Jeremy, who do you have, Iowa State or Tech? Give me the Cyclones. Same. Give me the Cyclones. Daniel? Give me the Raiders. Oh, you're going with the Red Raiders. Nothing wrong with that. That'll be an interesting game. There'll be a lot of tortillas thrown in that game. A lot of tortillas thrown in that game. So, All right. Uh, last one here. Uh, where did it go? Yep. Oh, here we go. Last one. This is one I was I was actually kind of curious about. Uh, the spread is twenty eight, so we are going to bet the spread on this one. Uh, Tennessee and Alabama. Tennessee got a win. They are now two and four, but the spread is twenty eight. It's in it's in Knoxville. Do you think Bama's going to cover? Yeah, they're going to cover. Yeah, I got Bama covering as well. So. I got Bama covering that game as well. Well, that we're going to bring this show to an end. I want to give you guys a little couple of housekeeping things here. One is, hey, we didn't have a show last week because something wasn't working on the internet, but you just would have missed about 
45 minutes of self-flogging about our offense and our defense all in one episode. So, hey, it didn't happen, but we're back this week and we'll be back next Sunday as well. Also, if you uh, haven't yet, please go to iTunes, give us a subscribe and give us a rating and a review. We'd love for you to find us and this podcast will be loaded up most Mondays, um, right onto your phone for your morning commute. And also, if you haven't yet, go to hornfrogblitz.com. It's a great website that you should be a part of. Join our online community where you can stay connected on terms of recruiting, inside information, and a lot of fans that you can get together to uh, discuss things with, share things with, and yell at online. It's really, really a wonderful thing. I think God created the internet so we could yell at each other about what to call on 3rd and 7. This is a great forum for us to do that. Before we wrap up, anything else from Jeremy or Daniel before we say uh, sign off? Nope. On to Kansas State. On to Kansas State. Well, for Jeremy and for Daniel, I'm Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast. <laughs>